0: and welcome back to the podcast here folks it is with a lot of excitement after a long time of working out our logistics and our schedules we have finally got none other than Blake Wallenberg here from the Wolfpack support services Blake thank you for joining us here on the podcast
1: thank you very much for having me I am super excited to be here and I'm glad it finally worked out in our schedules
0: that's right. It's uh, you know, it's a tough deal when you got normal jobs and your working schedules, and of course, you as a first responder. I mean, that's that's kind of you're you're on the go nonstop with that, yeah.
1: Yes, yes. I uh, I've been an EMT in the ER recently, and I actually just transitioned into a new role as EMS liaison. Oh wow! For two hospitals, so it's been been full of learning new things and how to do a new job that I'm also kind of writing the job description for. So.
0: <laughs> and on top of that, trying to be a good husband, good father, trying to get all that stuff. So, yeah, we know we fully understand and respect Absolutely.
2: that.
0: So our whole purpose when we do these interviews, Blake, is we want to try to introduce our viewers and listeners. Um, to basically you and to uh, the nonprofit here to give people an idea uh, obviously with the, the first responder support veteran support services and so forth, so having said that, Wolfpack support services, what is it who is it? what do you guys do there?
1: Yeah, so Wolfpack support services is a 501 c3 based out of Colorado, and we provide. Mental health services and resources, as well as financial aid, to first responders, healthcare workers, and their families. And kind of, you know, we always miss a few when we throw the first responders in there. But generally, you know, that covers the police, fire, EMS, dispatch, which is often forgotten. And we also do corrections as well.
0: Corrections, yep.
1: Um, so any any kind of you know, public emergency service as well as anybody that works in a healthcare setting, whether it's a, you know, hospital, if you're an EVS person, or if you are a trauma nurse, really, they all experience some sort of a trauma related to the job. And so we cover all of them and their families, excuse me.
0: No, it's, and that's that's so huge I mean it's you know from the um, one of the pieces we were talking about offline is the the thing that I love about wolfpack is how you guys are are, are centrally focused you know your primary focus is on the first responder emergency services piece where um, you know that's not always the case and in some others they're a little bit more broad so we, we love the fact that you guys specialize right there but just like in the military and veteran support side where they say everybody serves the entire family serves, that's just that is the same in emergency service. I mean, there is there's a sacrifice, there is the worry piece, there's the the stress. Um, you know, I try not to go down too many negative roads, but I mean we we know the divorce rate piece that takes place in in that line of work. Very and so high. yeah, that uh, that support piece for the family that's awesome, man that's that's huge. so, in the healthcare side have you been have you guys been seeing i mean it's covid era man this has got to just change the whole game right
1: it is it's been brutal so and and really you know it's a it's a bottom up top down everyone is affected <laughs> right. you know our our doctors are seeing more patients our nurses are taking a ton of patients our EMTs and paramedics are taking a ton of patients and that's busy in general. And then you add on the COVID protocols with different respirators or, or n 95s different, um, you know, the masking requirements, the different, Oh, do we need to wear a gown? Do we not need to wear a gown? Right. Do I need to have an eye shield? Do I not need to have an eye shield? And Honestly, there were times where I would have three shifts in a week and I would get updates about what the new protocol was every shift. So it's been a super fluid situation. The a lot of the healthcare individuals, the nurses and, and medics and emts that work in hospital have been leaving and working travel jobs. Oh wow. And some are doing, you know, local travel. And what they get is a ton more pay. The pay is mm-hmm. crazy higher, right? You don't get the benefits, but you know, who cares about that little benefit when you're making twice as much as you did. Right. right. You know, so the staffing has been limited. Um, you know, I, I can say at our hospital, we've been lucky to always be pretty well staffed, but earlier this month we had, five or six people out at the same time Dang. staff wise that were COVID. So, and that include EMTs and uh, nurses. I don't think any of our paramedics had it at the time.
0: Well, you know, and that's the piece that I think a lot of times we, as in the civilian world, we, f- we disconnect from, and we forget. And that is when something affects the community, right? Um, they forget that the EMS, the, the these people, they are our community, You know, they're the same, but the difference is they're putting their, that service piece first and, you know, making, they're doing their best to make sure they're taken care of, but they have the same worries that we have out there. And that, that just, it compounds so much heavier, you know, into the, the, the mental health side of things, you know, and, and that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's just one of those areas that we try to, you know, do our best to remind folks of, Hey, like the fires. You know, those, those, those guys were out there. Those men and women were out there protecting so many people, which they did a phenomenal, amazing job. Um, but at the same time, probably wondering, you know, is my house okay? I've, did my family get out? You know, and that's just talk about the the impact that's got to have, you know, on people. So you guys bring in these, these type of services out there. That is so critical. What, in your opinion, I mean, so I'm going to be 50 this year. When I was a kid growing up, when we heard the term "mental health," okay, it came with a stigmatism. Something I've been noticing in the last, say, five years, maybe, is really now, especially with a new generation that's a little bit more uh, open with with you know certain areas than my generation was. It's it's starting to change. It's it still has a long way to go, but people yeah. can say the word "mental health" now and in the right circles it's it doesn't have a stigmatism it's it's considered look we need to work on mental health the same as we do physical health are you seeing Absolutely. that out there
1: yeah you know we're we're definitely seeing the change begin i begin. think is a good way to put it Yep. right you know many of our traditionally many of our firehouses were all male so there was this alpha we don't talk about feelings we you know this is the job we all know it sucks you know suck it up buttercup kind of a
0: thing <laughs> yep and, yep
1: and as well as you know the policing industry right they they were very male dominated for a long time and many of those systems are getting integrated and we're still seeing i mean and i've interviewed and spoke with with firefighters that are um female and you know they tell us it's yeah it's still it's still there but the mindset is starting to change right and and we're seeing that happen and and kind of that like one of our hashtags that we use all the time is is end the stigma and the reason we chose that is because it applies to everything Right. right if you are a male or female firefighter, why can't you cry after a call? Some calls suck, they're life-changing and you'll never forget them, you know? Um, yep. and, and you just, why, like, why can't we? Why? And for some reason, the industry has just always frowned upon that. And now that's starting to change and I see both in the ER and pre-hospital, when we have these horrible calls or, or horrible you know, traum- traumatic events or traumas or whatever it may be, afterwards, you're going up to people and you're like, hey, are you doing okay? And they're like, yeah, I'm fine. I was frustrated. And they're like, no, no, no. Like mentally, are you good? And sometimes they'll be like, yeah, I'm good. Sometimes you hear the standard, yeah, I'm fine,
2: which <laughs> is
0: like,
1: I'm not okay, but I don't want to talk about it right yep. now. Um, I mean, I know with my own mental health that my wife gets that. You know, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Or yeah, I'm fine. And that's uh, <laughs> okay. Keep an extra eye on him. He's not good, <laughs> but he's telling me he's not good without having to get into it. You know,
0: yep. and yep.
1: And for me, I think emotions have been brought into the medical first responder worlds so much more intimately even since 9-11 right we started seeing these bigger events where the outcome was this amazing pour of support for these people but also the inner networks that were developed you know it's obviously there's a long history of police and firefighters the talking negatively about each other sure but it's lost all of the truth behind it. And it's just you jabbing your friends. Right. Right. You know, or like, Oh, it would have been great if you could have gotten us, you know, some traffic protection, but you know that you would risk your life for that officer if that's what it came to.
2: Absolutely. And, and
1: so that brotherhood, sisterhood value of it is just, it's definitely grown. And I think that we're getting more, more women in the industries is is helping right because we're getting more different perspectives yeah. of men, women, people that have families, people that don't, people with young kids, people with kids that are grown, you know, and and even the kind of the older guys that have, you know, been doing this for 25 years and you know, you could see the smoke lines kind of there <laughs> those guys those guys are starting to get it and right. it's, it's just because we're promoting it, you know, and the, one of the, one of the biggest things that I try to promote just through the nonprofit is it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And I think I've seen that either phrase or hashtag or whatever its use was so much more. Yep. And in fact, the other day I saw it through the hockey community and some hockey store had, you know, said hockey supports mental health. It's a t-shirt they had made. And a friend of mine reposted it with just all he said was it's okay to not be okay. Yep. And I think that's so, you know, for some reason people don't feel that way. Right. And wh- whether it's a patient in the ER, I'm like, it's okay to not know how you're feeling right now. Like your family member super sick and it's okay if you have no idea what's going on. Yep. You know, inter- internally, like feelings wise, I was like, that's fine. So you need to understand that.
0: That's powerful. But,
1: yeah. And we give we've always given that to patients You know, and you always hear like doctors make the worst patients, (laughs) but we also have fought that too from a personal side, right? Nobody in fire, nobody in EMS, nobody in in the PD, no one's wanted to come forward and say, I'm struggling, right? Because that stigma that how are people going to judge me? Who's going to know, who's going to find out? Is it going to affect my chances for a promotion? You know, th- it's yep. it's been a laundry list of things that are fear. And now it's, you know, you're looking at all these departments. Like most of the departments in the Denver metro area have some sort of peer support group in place. That's good. Yeah. And it's fellow responders that are volunteering for this extra position. A lot of them you have to take. You know a, a certification class four. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I did one. It was like a four, you know five day forty hour certification course, and I thought I knew some of. <laughs> and it was my eyes were open, you know, and, wow. and I think that's important. I mean, right? I had been already doing this nonprofit, sure. And when my eyes are open, and I'm running a nonprofit that's geared towards mental health. That should say something.
0: Right, right.
1: You know, and I mean, our mental health system in general is probably the most broken piece of our medical system.
0: Well, Wouldn't you say that's partly due to just uh, as we it's we've we've been. Uh, attempting that for a long time, but realizing in the most recent years, a lot of breakthroughs, a lot of things that are happening here that maybe it's not just environment. Maybe there's something else. You know, you and I uh, were sharing uh, something here that you brought up right at the very beginning of this before we uh, started the interview. And that is every, you know, trauma doesn't come in the same flavor. You know, I mean, everybody kind of takes it differently. And I think maybe wouldn't I mean, my view is that a lot of the mental health industry is starting to catch on with this. And so they're starting to tailor uh, and change and be a little bit more adaptive when it comes to some of their practice. So, I mean, does that have probably a lot to do with it or something to do with it at least?
1: Totally. Um, not everybody is, is down for that traditional talk therapy. Right. Um, we've implemented a couple different programs for equine therapy. And we've had awesome benefit because we've noticed most of us in this realm takes a little bit for us to open up and talk about our own mental health. And the cool thing about that is, is you don't have to talk, right? You connect with an animal. The horses will actually match your heartbeat and you can feel the energy. I thought it was total voodoo you know and i did a half day course myself it was eye opening i left going this has to be added to the nonprofit
0: so so i want to just interrupt real quickly because what's so phenomenal about this is the first nonprofit that i connected with out here was allegiance ranch and rescue they've rescue uh, at risk horses usually literally from the slaughter pipeline They rescue them, we rehab them. And then those horses are then used for veterans and first responder, uh, equine related therapy pieces that, uh, Dan and Gloria over at the Legion's ranch. That's literally two minutes from my house. So it's in our neck of the woods over here. Yeah. Super close. Um, and I, I have witnessed it firsthand to watch that, uh, that space and watch, you know, those things. Secondly, uh, operation equine who they do the same thing and I'll get you connected with these guys after, after we are done here, but they do, they do the same piece of that uh, therapy piece, except they uh, actually have mental health practitioners, licensed mental health practitioners uh, on staff there that, so they can kind of go, they actually literally have a lot of their sessions right at the ranch. They come out there and use that facility or they'll use one down there. So that is so awesome that you, uh, you know, that's the recreational therapy piece. What brought me in. Amazing. Yeah. You know, and no meds, you know, well, in you know, as a, as a modality, it's, it's, you know, it's very yeah, it's much not a
1: medication based, right,
0: right, right. And Absolutely. so that's of course what grabbed my attention. Now, there are many cases out there that are warranted where medication needs to come with it, um, but nevertheless, yeah. yeah. So that's, that is, I just wanted to share that with you. When you said equine, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, holy crap, well, this is perfect. We'll, we'll exchange some information afterwards. I'm going to get you in contact I can awesome. actually meet you out there at the ranch. We'll, we'll get it all set up.
1: That'd be fun. I'd love that. So, yeah. And so kind of expanding on where it really impacted me as I did this course and I had a blast. We were, you know, it was a very neat course. They had a lot of energy work with the horses as far as like using your energy to guide a horse to yep. do certain things without touching the horse and I mean, they had us doing stuff. They're like, you got to make that horse walk over that log and then go s- stand in this box that we've made <laughs> for five seconds. And it was such a powerful lesson because we're like, we got this. Well, we didn't have it at first. And <laughs> try to, we had understood what they were talking about, you know, on a greater depth and no problem. You know, wow. it was the, the first time it was very much like the traditional mental health. We're trying to force someone else to do something. Yep. And, and then it switched to a, well, Hey ask. And we essentially walked next to the horse and he just cruised with us and it was so easy. Yeah. But at the beginning we're like, I don't know how we're going to do this. They're like, <laughs> you can't touch the horse. I was like, i have no idea and then (laughs) yeah it was pretty funny and later we did some more limited like one-on-one stuff and i had a crazy powerful experience where i literally felt like i had a vacuum sucking out the negative energy wow and you know mind you i was 75 hundred feet away from anybody. And I had this like crazy powerful experience. And so after we were done with that, we did you know a group circle and we shared. And the one that I did was all, all first responders and healthcare professionals. So there were some firefighters, um, quite a few nurses, some EMTs and paramedics. So it was a very comfortable environment for us to open up and share. And I shared my experience. Um, and we had, I want to say we had two or three licensed clinical social workers on staff. Um, and after we were all done, one of them walked up to me and she goes, I'm really glad you shared that experience. And I said, I am too. And she said, no, I was on the other side of the arena and I watched it happen. (laughs) And she goes, and I thought to myself, I wonder if he's going to share what he just went through. Right. So it was like the fact that it was superpower personally was one thing, but then I got that outside viewpoint of, I watched that happen. Yep. It was, it was, it was, uh, as where Will Farrell would say it was mind bottling.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Talk to us a little bit about uh, uh, these are the the services that you guys provide to first responders. Um you're, you are the founder of Wolfpack uh, Support Services, correct?
1: Yes, I am.
0: What what led you here? I mean, there's there's a lot of obvious answers to it, but what was the what was the the what's the origin story of what brought you to this point that said, you know what, I want to create this and and make these services available to other people out there? How'd that happen?
1: So in 2018, um, I was still working at the hospital I work at right now. And I was in the ER. And a friend of mine had texted me a question. Hey, what's going on with this guy? I saw a really weird post on Facebook from his wife.
2: Hmm. And I was like, I
1: have no idea what you're talking about. And we weren't very busy. So I jumped on. And. I was like. That doesn't sound good. Like it sounds like. There was an accident. Or something happened. Because she's kind of talking in the past tense. And. So I went up to my. My charge nurse. And I said. Hey I've seen this post about Shane. And. I am friends with him. We have history. Um, I need to know you have to tell me what's going on. I know you're trying to keep this private, but I, I need to know right now. And I was told at work at about like 10 30 in the morning that he had taken his own life Ugh. and I collapsed pretty much in the bedroom, was in absolute shock. Um, and honestly, I, I don't really remember a lot of the rest of the day because, mind you, my schedule at the time was 7 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. So right. I worked a majority of my shift having heard this and and still trying to get information and grasping little pieces of, of in info here and there and trying to provide good patient care.
0: Sure. Sure.
1: And so, you know, I kind of had to do what a lot of us do and I had to shut my emotional side off so I could, I could be a good first responder. Right. Because it doesn't matter what's happening in my life. Right. Someone else could be experiencing the worst day of theirs. And, and that's what we're there for. That's what we signed up for. Right. And I, I, Shane and I hadn't been crazy close right, you know, when this happened. I mean, I saw him, I want to say four or five days before it happened in the ER, and he brought us a heroin overdose. And I'll never forget the last thing I was like, What's up, brother? And he's like, Not much, you know, just another heroin OD. That was the last thing he ever said to me. Oh, geez. And it's, it's kind of, you know, it's powerful. But then as I went through the, the thoughts, you know, I was like, wow, we went through fire Academy together. We used to work together on a volunteer fire department, um, at lions in Colorado. And we went through fire Academy together, you know, and and then the funny stuff started coming out. Like I remember sitting there on the little curb at fire Academy after a burn And we're all eating lunch and he takes like three bites of his sandwich. And on the third bite, he realizes that the cheese slice is still in the plastic wrapper. (laughs) (laughs) And we had, you know, it was like we had a, we were dying laughing and we had a great time with that. But that awesome little memory, that funny memory came back. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in the memory of us, I think the two of us were there at the, station overnight and we got a medical call for a vehicle that had gone off the road it was middle winter and we jump in the fire engine and try to drive up there and it's in the farther kind of boonies part of of the district
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and we're coming around a very steep curve and all of a sudden the fire engine just starts sliding backwards oh and we we kind of did one of these we looked at each other he was driving my hand went to the door i was like I'm ready to jump if needed.
2: <laughs>
1: and we we were about eight inches from going off the road and where it was, it, we would have flipped. Um, but it was just kind of that you look at each other after everything stops and you're like, oh, right. you know, and <laughs> I mean, the, like the call proceeded with the ambulance, couldn't make it up there. So we actually got the patient on a backboard and then put him in the back Of our assistant fire chief's truck to drive him down that hill oh geez I mean and all of us were like we're slipping and sliding it was it was pretty humorous we'd all take turns laughing at each other as we right you know the feet came out and everybody else of course was always watching when that happened you know so there are all these like these good memories these emotional memories these funny memories these oh my god we almost died together memories and those just started to flood in. And, and that was kind of, at this point, I thought, I need, I need to, to continue that respect and honor my buddy, my brother, my friend. So I asked, I asked his wife for permission to do some fundraising. And the goal is to just raise money to help her with, you know, funeral costs there's a whole lot of extra stuff that insurance doesn't cover, sure. you know, hopefully maybe enough money to pay for a headstone and, and all that. And so I went online and he was a, he was a fire medic, which is a firefighter paramedic. And he was also one of the medics for the SWAT team. Oh, wow. And so he kind of worked that that police fire duality. And so I went online and I found those silicone bracelets that are black and they have that, you know, the thin blue line, thin red line. Well, I found ones that had half of it was red and the other half was blue. And I thought that was so appropriate. So I bought a couple hundred of them and I posted it online and basically just was telling everybody, friends and family that we'd run into have got these for sale. It's just a quick little, you know, way to help fundraise. And for you guys to show your support for this, you know, this brother that we lost mm-hmm. and the reach from that was pretty incredible. Um, we had our manager, our president at the time came down and handed me an envelope and he was like, Hey, this is for um, your friend. And I said, let me get you a bracelet. And he's like, no, use those to raise more funds. And he gave us you know 50 dollars, 100 dollars. I think I made a suggested donation of like five dollars per bracelet, and right. people would give us a 20 or a 50 and there I'd keep the change. And I got a message on I think it was on my Facebook account, and this gal said, "Hey, I'd like to come up and pick up I think it was about 30 of them. I said, absolutely. Yeah, I'll have them ready for you. And she brought me a, I don't know if it's check or cash, but I said, do you mind if I, I ask where these 30 of these bracelets are going? Because it was kind of the largest single you know, request I had had. And apparently she was one of the training um, fire instructors for, I want to say it was West Metro. Oh, wow. And it was every one of the people in their current recruit class. So people with the, you know, with the future plan of being a firefighter when they pass their fire, you know, certifications, their hazmat certifications. Um, so there, that was, that hit me. That was pretty powerful. I think that one transaction hit me pretty good. Right. And I was like, well, I guess I could just do a GoFundMe. And if someone wants to just donate there, it's an easy way for them to donate there. And between the GoFundMe and the bracelets, I made like, I think almost $1,500 off bracelet sales. Um, and the first batch I just bought, and I was like, this is my donation. Um, we did buy another batch and and give and sell a bunch of them. but. With the GoFundMe and the bracelet sales, we raised just north of $14,000.
0: That's fantastic. In two,
1: in, in two weeks. Wow. So the reach was incredible. And to be able to sit his wife up with, here are the access, I'm you know, passing it off, you get to now withdraw the funds. It was amazing. It, I felt. Like I had honored my friend in, um, in a good fashion, in a true fashion.
0: Yep, yep.
1: And then as the kind of weeks went on, there was a lot of stuff that surfaced that brought my own trauma to, to bear beyond just losing a friend. Right. Um, I took his wife to a hockey game. She was a Rangers fan. Um, I don't know what's wrong with her. And I'm an abs <laughs> fan. But I. It was within the week before. And. I, the abs were playing the Rangers. And so I asked her if she wanted to go. We went. We had a great time. And while we were there at the game. We were just chatting a, about a lot of different things. And I, I had asked her how Shane was doing. And she said. I think he's struggling. And. And I said, do you want me to reach out to him? Do you think it would help just to reach out and and chat? And she had said yes. And four or five days later, he's dead. Um, I mean, as you can see, it hits me emotionally because realistically, a person who wants to commit suicide there's almost nothing you can do to stop them. Right. Um, most people are, are looking for a permanent solution to a temporary problem.
2: Um, and, and that, with all the
1: education that I've gotten with all the training and all the things I've read and watched and researched. I can tell you I'm not supposed to have guilt and I can tell you it's not my fault, but in my soul, there's a scar.
0: Sure. Well, you're human, you know, you're human before you're anything else.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, and that was, that was powerful. Um, you know and like the stages of grief i got super pissed um angry did that question like why did this have to happen you know was there something i could have done like if only i had gotten to him, the bargaining you know it was as i look back on it i was very much so the classical five stages of grief right there are five stages they don't always come in order
0: they're not asynchronous
1: (laughs) yeah and sometimes it is one two three four two you know and (laughs) and i mean over the fact you know the the past few years i definitely this hits me randomly and i'll start crying or i'll get super into my frontal lobe of just like i could have done
0: something sure sure
1: and then i have to remind myself like no you're human. You weren't able to help. It didn't go. But then, you know, it was like kind of weeks turned to months. I was like, this is really pissing me off. I was like, I could have helped, but I kept that feeling, but I didn't help. And then it pissed me off that we raised $14,000 for one funeral. And I got to start thinking, okay, if I'd gotten to him first and before this, what kind of services and help could I have provided? And then I thought to myself, $14,000 is a lot of money, that could provide a lot of help to a lot of different people. Right? So about mid to late spring, I told my wife another one of my crazy ideas. Uh, I looked looked at her and I was like, babe, I want to start a nonprofit. And she did what what she always does. And she goes, you do what you do. I'll support you. (laughs) And I mean, she's, she's been my, my rock, my mental health advocate and, and rebound board I've had in the past, like 10 years, I've had almost a dozen surgeries. Um, I've, I, that's how I, I was removed from the fire service. Uh, I was told I was never going to be okay. Cleared to do that again. Um, I lost jobs because I was out for so long. And, you know, this is all happening with two young kids at home. Jeez, I, I had just, you know, within a, two years or so started my career as an EMT. And so I've had my own struggles. So
2: right. I've, I've come
1: to this self-awareness of, I could jump on a podcast and tell people that I've had super difficult problems with mental health. Um, I've tried different medications. I've tried different therapies, uh, I still struggle. I have good days. I have bad days. But then I remember that I'm human and I've developed this philosophy and it's kind of a a base with mental health and, and our jobs as first responders. And it's, we each have a bag of burdens and your bag can only hold so much. So. I physically sewed a leather bag one day because I needed that like visual representation of my bag of burdens. And I would put stones in it.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, whenever something like just hit me really hard, I'd throw a stone in there. And then I started talking more about mental health with the general people, right? People at work, people like yourself. Um, And when I say people at work, I'm talking both coworkers as well as patients. Right. Because sometimes showing your vulnerable side really helps them understand that they're not alone in this. Like you're on the other side taking care of them, but they're not alone. And I started realizing this philosophy of, every time I share something, right? So um, I want to say two years ago, we had a pediatric cardiac arrest. Um, Most pediatric cardiac arrests are caused from respiratory arrest. You know, adults, they'll just go because their heart's bad. Most kids in general have good hearts and their heart stops because their breathing stops. And we had this little 11 month old boy. And I remember <laughs> holding my hands like that. I remember the feeling of doing CPR with my thumbs because he was so little. Right. And all, all the things of that day, um, the police being there investigation stuff because they didn't know if it was an on purpose thing or an accidental thing and and that that trauma that i left with from that day was horrible right and I did the typical thing that I do on my way home. I call my wife and I say, Hey, babe, just want to let you know I'm on my way home. And I finished it up with, don't put the kids to bed. Mm. And she could tell right away in my voice that something was wrong. Yep, yep. And I got home. I sat down on the couch and I put one girl on this side and one girl on this side. <laughs> I have arms around them and we just chatted. That's awesome. I didn't tell them the details of the day. I ended up, you know, talking to my wife. um, Obviously, with HIPAA compliant for all those rule followers out there, I didn't break any. That's right. Um, But it was powerful. Mm. But I've realized over the last two years, you know, since that happened, that every time I share that story with someone like you, Well, I just pulled that stone out and I broke it in half. And now you get to carry some of that because you've heard my story. That's right. Right. And this bag, and part of the reason I made my own physical bag was I needed that realization of proof of you can stuff so much in a bag till it's too full.
0: That's right.
1: Right. And we all carry things. I know, you know, when I'm 60. It might be a little crumb, a little s- sand-sized speck, <laughs> but there it'll still be in my bag,
0: That's right. right? Always, but a piece the goal of it.
1: is exactly. But that goal of if we share enough, if we share with enough people, you get the people that understand. You get the people that don't understand, but you help yourself by sharing. And so I've become so much more open with mental health and I've run into people on airplanes and had like in-depth conversations where if you heard us talking, you would think we were best friends of 20 years.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, and it's just that I've, I've noticed that you open up and people are, they open up. So it's not only are they
0: more receptive,
1: but they're also more willing to, to share with you.
0: You've kind of paved the way you've opened the door.
1: Exactly right. So I'm I'm being selfish and I'm going, I'm helping myself by sharing this with you. Well, then in turn, you're like, Oh, I'm gonna do this too. And you open up and you give me a chunk of your rock. And now you have a brother or a sister that is carrying that trauma with
2: you. That's right. And they
1: might they might not have been there. You know, they might have run calls very similar or had the exact same scenario, you know, we, we've had calls in the ED where someone comes in, there's 12 different people working on this patient and you notice someone is different afterwards.
0: Right. Right.
2: And
1: I've gone up and I'm like, Hey, what's what's going Mm -hmm. on. And it'll be a, that person reminded me of my grandma. Mm. Right. It was nothing to do with the scene or the patient itself. And, in their traumatic experience or their horrendous event, right? But it was that trigger that that secondary
0: trauma. Well, you know, one of the other uh, programs I work with, the Warrior Bonfire program, they actually have a slogan here that just echoes and lays out exactly what you just said. And that that slogan is "pain shared is pain divided." You know, and that that piece there, and then it, you know, they it goes on and expounds to uh, other areas. But that there's, it's so true. You know, when you can, when you can get around like-minded individuals that understand that walk in your shoes, they understand where you're coming from. There's a saying that I, I, I use all the time, and that is, I don't need to know you to know you. You know, and that I think that rings so true in that case. So. You've you've had these situations, it's it's landing on your head. What at what point did you did you say, all right, that's it. We're going official with this thing, we're gonna lock this thing in, we're gonna, we're gonna make these services available to Colorado first responders.
1: Yeah. So kind of I wanna say June-ish. By that time, June of you know of uh 2018, I told my wife. Hey, we're going to start this a month or so before I contacted a, a nephew of mine. And I said, I'm going to take a picture <laughs> and send you this crappy hand-drawn photo of <laughs> what I want the logo to be. Can you make it for me? And I'll pay you. And being my my nephew, who's actually like seven months older than me, um, he sent me two two logos one that was super inappropriate and crude and I loved it cuz that was the first, the only first one he sent me and I was like oh my god this is amazing and then about 10 minutes later he sent me the real one and that that is our logo that we've been using from the get-go it was a a hand-drawn version of something and I you know sent it to him and it was it was a one-shot deal like, wow. I saw, I I just saw that image in my head of of who we wanted to help and, and how the process was. Right. So, right. you know, we've got Wolf Pack support services. So we've got the name and then, you know, we have the medical, the star of life is what it's called.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: in the middle is the wolf and kind of each one's an avenue. So there's fire department, EMS and PD, because those were the original focus groups, if you sure. will, for, sure. for our target market. And then there's a dove. Because when you get, when you focus on your mental health and you start to process it, you do become more at peace. Right. Um, The middle one is kind of, it's like four hands, you know, in a square. And that was a, we can't do it alone. We're in it together. This is our community and we support each other. And then a brain you know it's like an outline of a person's face from the side in a brain because really if we don't process this stuff yeah that's what it's going to destroy
0: well and that i think
1: our our lives
0: absolutely and i think it's it's so important piece there you know we've discovered that mental health every bit of it as equally as important as you know physical health Um, And you've got to, you've got to work through that, you know, and got to find ways to exercise that brain and and allow it through that's uh, I mean, that's some powerful stuff. Uh, There's no doubt about it. And, and, you know, that motivator factor, you know, how it kicks in. So first responders in Colorado here, um, you know, we, we know even in the, in the veteran support side um, there's a, trying to find a nice way to say this. Uh, the fact of the matter is, there's a, a there there are some common denominators that we find with uh, with veterans, first responders, and that one of those is they don't want to ever be looked at or felt like they're a burden. In many cases, from my experience of seeing, that's Absolutely. at the heart a lot of times uh, that sense of that they're they're not helpful or whatever. That a lot of times they feel those things. Be them wrong or 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 what whatnot, and that's at the heart of a lot of their their anxiety piece, you know their their depression piece, and so expecting them to reach out is just, in my personal opinion, a very naive approach. Uh, you know, some of, some of them will, but. You know, there's a I think every bit equal portion that they, no, they don't want to be a burden to someone. So how do you reach them? What are, are what are the efforts that the Wolfpack does to to reach out and go, yo, just so you're aware. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're we're here. How, how does that? What's that look like for you guys?
1: A lot of it's word of mouth. Um, right. I knew you know for sure for the first year we're building the the organization and we probably were going to have nobody to take care of. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. And we really didn't the first year. So the first year was, it was a good way to kind of come into it because we were able to develop a lot of our, you know, kind of operating procedures and and things um, that we needed to put in place to really be able to provide help. And I will share. So Wolfpack has a Twitter account. They have an Instagram account. We have a Facebook account. Um, And we share stuff, you know, I'll make a meme. I have, there was a guy you'll love this. So I reached out to a guy who is a photographer and I'm like, wow, this guy Christian is, is amazing. And he had some really cool wolf photos. So I sent him a text or a, a, like a private message on Instagram. And I said, this is who I am. This is what our organization is. You know, this is, this is what we do. And he responded with, absolutely, I'd be willing to, to give you guys rights to any of my photos to use an altar, you know. And I said, just so you're aware, I said, if, any, if there's anything sold you know, you you will get a royalty, right? Like, I'm not trying to take your photo. I'm trying to use your photo to send a powerful message.
0: Right. Right. And
1: it might be three wolves together of like, we're all looking in the same direction. You might be in the middle, but we got your back, you know, Yep. yep. kind of things along that. Well, it turned out he was like, I'm actually an ICU nurse. Oh, wow. And I, you know, I'm like, dude, that is incredible. Um, Maybe you know if you ever need it, we're we're here to help. And he, he goes, I probably won't hit you guys up because I'm an ICU nurse in Germany. Oh. <laughs> so like first year we've already got you know that connection that was across the pond. And right that that was very powerful for me. So you know, making memes that are not always pretty or happy or positive but they send the message.
0: Right, right.
1: Um we've got we've got this meme. I'm going to grab our brochure to show you. And this is probably one of the most powerful ones I've created. Right. And that one I've had a lot of feedback from because that's who we are, right? Right. How are you doing? I'm fine. Well, we're first responders. We got into this role to help people not to be a burden, right? Yeah. yeah. Not, not to be that weak, lick, not to be, you know, viewed in a different point until you realize wow, I said I was struggling, and everybody on my shift asked what they can do to help or if I wanted to talk about it. Mind you, we're first responders, so we're probably also going to give you a hard time.
0: Right, right. <laughs>
1: and, and that's that, that brotherhood, sisterhood thing, right? Like It's part of it, I yeah. make fun of you because I love you. Yep. And so sometimes when the outside person sees us interacting with each other, they don't, you know, they don't always get it. You're, they're right. not like, oh, you just worked a cardiac arrest and he passed away and you're like, I'm going to go eat lunch. You know, it's it's a different breed. We're we've already got something loose. We've have all had that one screw <laughs> removed, and that's why we're in this industry. But I've noticed that one has really hit people, and I'll get private messages, and they're like, man, this one it just stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a good explanation of of what we're trying to change, right? The the I'm fine to I'm not okay. Yep. And that's not a that's that's that typical firehouse change or medical world change. It's slow. Yeah. It moves at a very slow pace, right? Because we had all these deep seated roots that were polar opposite to that. It's yeah, you know, you come here to do it, do your job, shut up. I don't want to hear how you feel about it. And that's really changing. And, and you know, we get people will send us an Instagram message or a Facebook message and say, hey, you know, I'm, look, I'm looking for some help. Right. They'll send us an email or, you know, we have a like a comment box on the, the website and people will send us a message and it comes into my inbox. And I'm like, this, this guy just asked for help. And he gave me his phone number. He said, I'm, I'm struggling. It's now affecting my marriage or my other job or, you know, whatever it may be. And we reach out. Mind you, that guy or gal has already made the first hardest step.
0: That's huge. Yeah.
1: Which is that asking for help. Yeah. That What I have found out is that doesn't mean the next step is easy right i i've gotten people that will reach out and say hey i need help we reach out they won't text back or they won't email back and then two or three months later you get an email or a text and they're like yeah i still need help so we reach out again hey what can we do for you and they'll come around hmm. and they're like, okay, I'm ready. Like this is affecting my life too much, right. whether that's their own mental status, relationships, jobs, whatever. Right. Because I don't care if you're coming to me because you have job related trauma that's affecting your marriage. I don't care if you come to me and say my wife who works in it needs help because of everything I've exposed her to.
0: Right. Right.
1: Because to me, something is funny and to someone else, they're like, you're a disgusting individual.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We, you know, typically in the worlds of, of first responders, we have very dark sense of humor and <laughs> not everybody else does. And
0: it's a coping mechanism. I think. Yeah. I know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I think firsthand seeing the effect that my friend suicide had on his wife was that first indicator of and families yep. was adding that and families piece, because I know both on the job related side and on the personal, having a ton of surgeries, you know, which have caused like I had post-surgical PTSD mm. and they're like, Oh, try to, you know, go see this person. Totally. I'm like, let's do it she's like, try these meds. I'm like, I'm not feeling good on these meds. And she's like, oh, well, let's just double the dose. And I was like, on the verge of suicidal from the medication. So I'm like, yeah, you and I are not gelling. I found a new clinician. He's like, have you ever tried this form of therapy? And I was like, I don't even know what you just said. And it's EMDR. Um, and he's like, let's try it. And we did it for a handful of sessions. And then one day I, I relived the previous like five years in a 45 minute session Jeez, with no emotion. Like I wasn't emotional. I was just at a point mentally where I was like, I'm processing this because of the EMDR therapy. Yeah. And I walked out of there and I was like. I feel like drunk or wasted or high, or I was like, I'm 150 pounds lighter. And I feel amazing.
0: Right. Right.
1: But it was so polar opposite to what I had been feeling. That's why I felt altered. Yeah. And it was like, I'm not altered. I'm just back to where I should be.
0: Right. You got, got that center back.
1: Exactly. And like, I, you know, and then I'll follow up our clinicians, you know, say we approve someone for, for six sessions. Um, with a, you know, clinician, they, the clinician bills us directly. So the person is not responsible to that. Um, Wolfpack being a nonprofit gets a discounted rate for services. So, you know, say, say a therapy session is 150 bucks and we pay 75. So instead of that person having to pay $150 for a therapy session, we provided them two sessions for free and all it cost cost us was $150.
0: Right.
1: Right. So we'll approve, you know, to kind of depending on what the clinician says, because typically the clinician will provide a free consultation meeting. So they talk to the client, no information beyond that is told to us, except we have a conversation and the clinician's like, I think six sessions would be a good starting point, kind of go from there. And I run past the board, you know, or run. we have some new kind of new things in place. So um, there's a standard approval. If anybody asks for help right away, you get a free session. And the kind of follow-up from there is we talk to the clinician. I'm like, I don't care what the issue is how many sessions do you think this person needs? Right. Like what's a good starting point. And then, you know, we kind of with the clinician make a starting point and, and have those sessions available. And I get an email later. It's like, Oh, we got a bill from them. I'm like, cool. Somebody had a session. And about say we approve six sessions, you know, at the end of session five or right around that time, We'll get an email or a phone call from the clinician and they're like, Hey, things are going well. I think we need, I think this patient would really benefit from another four to six sessions. And they kind of give us a range. And then, you know, with whatever we're able to do financially, we will kind of bring to the table and say, cool, we're approving them for this many more sessions. Same thing happens. We get billed. Patient just gets to have their free therapy.
0: That's and, powerful. Yeah. That's awesome. And
1: I, and I will jump on and I'll text someone and I'll just be like, Hey bro, just checking in on you. I know that. I know you're going to sessions. I just hope they're helping. Let me know if you need anything else. Like if we can do anything else for you. And I got one back. I want to say in December and it made my friggin' week because it was like, thank you guys so much. I'm, feeling so much better works going better. My relationship's better. And I just, I don't think I could have done it without you guys.
0: That's awesome. That's powerful.
1: And if that's the only person we ever help in our friggin <laughs> tenure as a nonprofit, like that's why I started this. Right. Right. Cause I don't want anybody else to feel like their only option or their best option is to end their life.
0: Right. That's, uh, you know, I mean, that's the the power in that there. It, it sounds corny when you say, if we say only, you know, if we, if we connect with one, but I've been now involved long enough to, uh, on the outside, you know, uh, involved long enough to know that it's not corny. It is exactly the motivation behind this. It's one connection we're looking to make. And once we make that, I'm going to look for another connection that I'm looking to make. We're just going to keep that rolling, you know, and keep it going. So, yeah. That's fantastic stuff. I mean, it's, you know, seeing that stuff firsthand. So let's talk about 2022 here, this year specifically. What's what's on deck for you guys? What are some goals you guys are looking to do right now? What's uh, what's this year and, or maybe next year looking like for Wolfpack right now?
2: I
1: always like to create super lofty, unachievable goals for myself. Because <laughs> <laughs> then it just pushes me to, to, to strive more, right? Yeah, that's um, and in December, I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, what, what would I be stoked about if we did with Wolf back next year? Besides like helping people, you know, obviously like I, we always want more clients.
0: Continue um, the mission, right? Keep it Not because
1: people are suffering, but because they're getting to be okay with reaching out because they're suffering, you know? Um, and I thought to myself late one night, I'd it was probably like two or three in the morning. And I was like, man, if we could fundraise a hundred thousand dollars, that would be incredible. Yeah. You know, I was like, if we had $75,000 in a bank, that's 75. You know, at uh, $75,000 divided by 75 a session. I was like, that's a thousand therapy sessions. That's a lot, and that's a lot of people that you can help, and a lot of people you can help for longer, right? I don't wanna just go, hey, I'm sorry, because I know there are gonna be constraints, and I know there are gonna be times where it's like, I'm sorry, all we could do for you is 12 sessions. right?" But one of the other deals that I, like again, I was like, I'm gonna aim high, Right, Because if they tell me no, I'm still probably better off than where I was. Right. Um, rule one of negotiating, folks. Always ask for more than you think you want. <laughs> and so every time I've asked a clinician to join us, I've asked them that if there comes a point in time when the patient needs to continue their service, and Wolfpack is no longer footing the bill. Will you extend that discounted rate? Every single one of them has said yes. That's awesome. Right? So and now so that person can buy two sessions for $150 instead of having to pay $150 every
0: time. And so you guys are creating, a, you have like a, a network of clinicians that you work with right now.
1: Yeah. So that's awesome. In, in my... Again, hopes and dreams. I would like to have 40, 50, 100 clinicians. Well, wow. because COVID in 2020 and 2021 has made all of them very busy. I bet.
0: Yeah.
1: Which is, which is leading to where we call clinician. they like, I just can't take on a new client right now. Right. So every clinician has an ebb and flow. And if we can develop a large enough network, someone's always going to be ebbing. you know. Exactly. And so there will always be a clinician available or multiple clinicians available for us to tap into. So if there are any licensed clinical social workers, therapists out there, and you want to help, hit us up. Because even if you don't do anything for us for a year, the fact that you're there if we need you is huge.
0: It's that network piece, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, we recently connected with um, medicine horse and we'll do, you know, we'll send people there as well as one or two other equine therapies. And I, over the summer, I sent three or four people to a class, the feedback I got from, so we had a, a horse trainer and a therapist, like a, a mental health yep. gal there. So they worked with the patients. The feedback I got from both of them was awesome. Mm-hmm. The feedback I got from each individual that did the therapy was just like mine. Yep. Like, that was amazing. I didn't know I had all that, that stuff bottled up. Yep. And I got such amazing feedback regarding one person who's a friend of mine. So as soon as I read that email, I jump on, I text her and I said, Hey, I wanted to see what you thought and, and how, how you felt it went. She was like, it was amazing. It was life-changing. It was all this. So I emailed back the gal that runs the program. And I said, we want to sponsor her for four weeks of once a week, private sessions with you. And I said, but I don't want to tell her. I want you to call her and tell her or you to email her. Right. Yeah. Wolfpack's footing the bill, but who did all the, the work, the clinician and the horse, you know, trainer. Sure. So I had them reach out and I got immediately, I mean, within, I know she sent the email right away because within 15 minutes I had a text from my friend. Oh my God, you guys are so amazing. I, like, I I don't even know what to tell you right now. And that was awesome. You know, and the, the text message back from her after was the services they provide, you know, she did kind of a little testimonial and I haven't even shared that testimonial anywhere, but just reading it myself. sure was that that okay this is the validation like this is why we do it that's you know awesome. what, what do you do what do you say if we spend $1000 on a person what's the limit if we spend $5000 on a person i mean what are we looking at here what's the limit and and yeah we're a nonprofit and we don't have an unlimited budget i'm still waiting on elon musk to <laughs> drop us in his back pocket that's right but until that happens, right, we do have to figure out how we can help the most people the most. Right. But with that being said, it's, you know, you start thinking about it, and you're like, what is a life worth? What's the value? What's the number? Right. You know, and you start asking people those questions and it's pretty intense. Like I've heard, I've heard that the average cost kind of damage control in everything of a i think it's a, either a police officer or a first responder like a firefighter taking their life the average cost if you kind of follow that downstream is about a million dollars jeez right so you have to deal with that you have to you have to deal with everybody else on the department and making sure they have the right mental health team you know, you have to have a, an on site crisis person. You have to take sometimes an entire crew out of service.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and we've had sex times where, where a neighboring agency will call and say, We heard, we're going to come over and man your station six. Don't worry about it, guys. Right. And, and another district picks up the slack. Because it's a brotherhood and a sisterhood and a family. Yep, yep. Like, yep. like you said, I don't know you, but I know you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if you reach out and you're like, hey, I'm from New Jersey, you definitely don't know me. I need help. Let's do it.
0: Done and done. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean,
1: I'll be honest, when COVID started, you know, we're still a young nonprofit. And I, in the first couple of months, I was like, we're dead. Like we're dead in the water. This is going to kill us. And then I started seeing this greater expansive, Oh, we're going to see you and do your therapy session, but you're not coming into the office. <laughs> I have, What's right. Like I have to protect myself and yep. I have to protect you as the patient. So now all of a sudden there's this massive increase in telehealth. Yep. Okay. I could tell health, my doctor in Boulder, well, why couldn't he talk to someone in New Jersey or Washington state or Texas?
0: Exactly. Right.
1: It instantaneously, in my opinion, turned us from a smaller local organization to a global organization.
0: Yeah. Or
1: at least national, right. Um, Technology
0: can be big. Technology can certainly bridge a lot of, that, uh, yeah. of those aspects, for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I even had a vendor that's provided some of our products. I got a private message from him one day. And he said, hey, can I ask you a question? And I'm, I responded, shoot, yeah, absolutely. And he said, hey, my brother is a GI doc. And in the past couple months, he's like, I don't live close to him. I think he was in like Indiana and the vendor is in like Montana or something. Right. And so he's like, I I think, I think he's struggling and I don't think he's willing to go to therapy Mm -hmm. or at least go to therapy on his own. So I responded with, look, obviously you have our, our information feel free to provide our information. I said, if you think it'll come better from you, here's, here's what I would give you advice wise, right? Talk to him, make it personal, say, Hey, bro in law, I could hear you're struggling. I know you're struggling. Are you getting help? Do you even feel like you're struggling? So I gave him this kind of bullet point of, of how to approach a scenario. And I said, Here's what I would recommend. And, you know, so it was a, here are questions to ask and and here's my recommendation. And about a month or six weeks later, I got another message and it's a thank you. I, I had a great conversation with my brother-in-law and I think our conversation was so real and true that he realized he, he, he needed help. And now he's seeing a therapist.
0: That's awesome.
1: And that's, that's a private message on Instagram that got from a vendor a few states away, (laughs) you know, to our Northwest. And we just helped someone eight states away on the East, you know? And so that was powerful for me. And it really opened up that, you know, that viewpoint of, yeah it's scary, but we can go national.
0: Sure. You know, and
1: like you said, it's growing that network. Obviously, you know, if you're in Kansas, we don't necessarily have an equine therapy, right? But if you call us and you say, Hey, I need some help. I've been looking into equine therapy and I've been talking to these people. Yep. I'll respond with awesome. Can you email them and me and introduce me. And then I'm going to pull you out of it. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to say, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. This is our goal. And this is how we've done it in the past. Nice. Does this sound like something you're willing to work with? <clears throat> and all of a sudden now we got an aquine therapy in Kansas. Again, Absolutely. that's how it happens. You know, I've had half a dozen Things happen like that, where it's just like someone will call and say, oh, hey, um, yeah, you need to meet this person, just like you did today. Hey, yep. you need to meet these two equine therapy people.
0: Yep. Well, and I can, I can up that one more further with this network of communication you're talking about. The Warrior Bonfire Program has just launched a, uh, I think they call it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing on this and I apologize, but I think it's called the Portal of Hope. Um, and what this is, is a resource for veterans first responders to, to go to, and they can basically put in a couple uh, search uh, criteria of certain things you're looking for. And a list of nonprofit services uh, starts to pop up and That's it's, awesome. yeah, they're building this. It's like a crowdsource, if you will, that it's starting to build up. I'm going to connect you with those guys. We need to get Wolfpack listed in there. Um, I would and love they, to. And then you can use it, you know, if you're looking for others, because the the bonfire is a national, you know, they stretch their. Uh, I believe Mike is at a Centennial, uh, a retired uh, Lieutenant Colonel Mike Foss. He's uh, at a Centennial, I believe, uh, but they're a national organization. So yeah, those those networks and those connections, um, you know, I mean that's that's the piece. Be that conduit, right?
1: Absolutely.
0: Funnel that information across there. Yeah. We, and
1: nonprofits helping nonprofits is, I mean, it's great, right?
0: It's huge. It's what we have to do. I mean, we're, we're all, you know, tied. I say we, uh, I am a for-profit organization. That's, we purposely chose that um, because yeah. if I... Yeah position myself as a nonprofit. Well, then I'm competing for the same funds that you guys are, and that Absolutely. makes a really weird situation. So, yeah, we're a for-profit. We're here to work for you and and do do what we can to help you know get your word out there. So, yeah. Um, well, listen, man, I we can't thank you enough for taking this time here uh, to explain the Wolfpack. I loved we, it. I guarantee you that uh, what we'll be doing through production here, we'll have your all your social media stuff up there. Um, you know, and it's a, it's safe to say that if you're a first responder out there, uh, anywhere, if you're viewing this here, yeah, look up the Wolf Pack. Know that they're there. There's resources. Um, you know, I've I, I I've put this deal out there before, and I'll I, I said it in a in an interview that I had with Shoutout Colorado. I don't want to envision a world where we have first responders, you know, depleted in numbers or feeling like. They're somehow devalued um that's just uh, the young folks that 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 carry certain high motivations for certain topics I think are are lacking some wisdom piece to understand that so an experience piece I should say not wisdom experience of of this world of what it is to be a first responder out there are there are, are yeah. there issues yeah of course there are. But yeah, the burden that, that, that you guys wear out there is something that, you know, our mission is to remind you guys how much we love you, how much we need you. And the fact that you guys are putting that, you know, forward with these people, I, I think that's, that's just something that's super excited. I'm looking forward to working with you guys and see what we can do to, to help you out. I'm excited.
1: That. I know personally, um, hunting fishing is, is such a value of mental health to me. Mm-hmm, you know, my mm-hmm. wife will be like, "No, you need to leave for 3 days and try to go elk hunting." And whether it's, you know, armed hiking as I like to call it when I don't even see anything,
0: <laughs> armed hiking.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but right, it's it's that experience, you know, like yep. the people that don't understand hunting and don't understand fishing yep. is a bad day of doing it is always better than a good day at work.
0: Absolutely. And
1: the, the harvest, right? Because I harvest the meat to take home, to consume. So the harvest is a bonus.
2: There, you, the go. Home, there right? you go. Right, It's
1: the experience. And that's why I was definitely super excited to connect with you because yeah. I know what kind of value that brings personally. And a lot of us are super outdoorsy. I mean, we live in Colorado. This is a very outdoorsy state. Absolutely. You know, and we we try to be unique.
0: Well, I'm I'm all on the catch and release uh, side of things, and the sporting side. We're we're very much catch and release there. But we could absolutely consider this an open invitation, man. We we got to go fishing. We'll we'll have to get out oh, there. I'd love to. We'll uh, we'll try to find as I get more acquainted with these. Uh, local lakes and so forth around this area here we've got some some big news we're waiting to release here that's going to allow us to be able to get on a lot of these smaller bodies of water a lot easier with people um so awesome. so we'll get it set up here we've got uh, we got some good sponsors getting behind us on a lot of these events but yeah open invitation we'll go out we'll talk uh we'll talk fishing and i'd uh, love to then we'll have to go do a, a, a semi-armed uh, boat trip <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> to go out and find some trout or something like that, that we can go harvest out there. <laughs> yeah.
1: That would be good. Yeah. Funny thing. I, when I fish, I only catch and release unless there's somebody else I know yeah. that might want a trout or something. I actually don't even like fish the taste <laughs> I've never liked it. And my wife doesn't like it. And then when friends who know me are like, wait, you don't eat fish. I'm like, I will catch it, I will gut it, I'll clean it, and I'll cook it for you, but I'm not eating it. Like, It's just, I've never had that taste. And catch and yeah. release is, I've noticed, exceptionally harder when elk and deer. Okay. So those I just I've decided to it's catch. the bait it's much safer. It's, it's much all safer. in the it's
0: all in the bait that you're using with your elk for catching yeah. release. <laughs>
2: yeah. So. All right.
0: Listen, man. Thank you so very much. We appreciate you coming on here, and uh, we're looking forward to to following uh, follow along and having you guys back on here.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it, and I do want to just jump jump into one thing yeah. real quick. In May, we are going to be doing a two-week fundraiser and auction. Perfect. Um, the auction platform we use is really awesome. It's it's designed so if someone buys a $100 item, there's a small service charge that's added. So they pay $108, mm-hmm. but we actually get a full 100 And they even give us a slight percentage of the what's on top. Okay. So we might get $101, whereas a lot of the other platforms we we researched cost a lot of money. They yeah. you either have to pay a flat fee and per item, or you, you might get dinged, you know, 20%, right? So Jeez. you think you're donating $100, but the nonprofit's only getting 80. So we're going to use them again. We used them before. I loved their service. Um, so we'll have our online auction. will go for two weeks and during that two week time, we're going to jump on, um, social media and do lives. We'll do giveaways. Uh, you know, obviously we love, uh, love the support and the donations. Um, that's what helps us really do, do what we do. But if people just jump on and say, here's my name, you're going to be entered into the drawing. So whether nice. you donate or not. Um I know this year we've got some signed memorabilia coming from the Avalanche.
0: Oh, very uh, cool.
1: And the Denver Nuggets. Nice. And then we got another uh barbecue donated, like an awesome almost $600 brand new barbecue from Pit Boss. Mm-hmm. And just a, a a hundreds of little things that we get donated to. But you know it's fun because it's it's nice for us to plug these awesome organizations that are willing to support us
0: heck yeah heck yeah
1: but also give stuff back to the community beyond just mental health and right. you know i mean we have we've had such random things and <laughs> i've had people go well what do you want and i'm like whatever you want to donate you know whether it's i don't know whether it's a signed book whether it's a 20 minute Skype sesh with you and you're right. a hockey player or a basketball player or whatever, you know, and that's the fun thing about this auction is we really can take anything.
0: Sure. Sure. You know,
1: and have that, have that kind of fun, totally unique, totally different, not just mental health related items.
0: Right. right. Just
1: kind of, you know, give back to those people that celebration spend piece. so much time. Yeah. Supporting us. So,
0: well, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, as we get closer to that you and I should, uh, should connect with that. We'll obviously pipe this through all of our social media as well. Get people uh, ramped up for it. Let them know where it's at. And, uh, and we'll uh, make sure that they're, they're seeing the stuff and um, who knows, maybe we find some donators for you. You know, I awesome. was, I was, thinking about you know what I make uh, I just make a mess usually that's that's pretty much what I'm really good at so so,
1: so do I. I just now make a mess in a nonprofit.
0: there you go, there you
1: go. I, I, I tell people I only learn from my mistakes but that is why I'm so smart <laughs> um, you know that, awesome. they've written they've written books with information I have no idea about so that yes. was them.
0: That's right. All right, man. Well, again, thank you so very much for coming on here, and uh, we're going to follow along with the Wolfpack there. And uh, obviously, folks, reach out to them there and uh, and let them know you're out there. If, if there's something you think you can do to help them out, thanks. Yeah, man.
1: thank you so much for having us. We we're super excited to uh, be on the podcast and, and also start working with you and and having those you know services that we can offer as a different form of therapy.
0: Heck yeah! Awesome. All right. Awesome. All right.